0: Welcome to The Morning Crew, a grief podcast hosted by three gals in their mid-twenties. Here, talking about grief is completely normal and a part of our everyday life. So grab a cup of coffee or a drink.
1: Grief conversations can actually be that casual. So let's talk about it.
2: Welcome everybody. Um, We are back after a little bit of our own spring break, honestly, and each having just a whirlwind of life events and schedules and travel plans. So I know we have so much to catch up on um, and we have kind of an interesting topic to touch on later today. But first, wanted to get the updates. I'll start with you, Kelsey, because I know you had like barely any days in SF, I feel like this past month. So give us your highlights, your lowlights, whatever you you feel like sharing.
0: Yeah. Um, wow. It is like I've lived 10 lives since I've seen you guys last time. And yeah, I've spent very little time in my own bed. Um. It, the trips and travels though did start at a very special event which was the opening night of Taylor Swift's ERA's tour in Arizona. And I feel like so deeply blessed to have been able to see that and be there. And of course, naturally, while I was there, and it is like a long story of like figuring out those tickets and getting there as like everyone has with all the shows. But I was thinking of Kathy and Mads like during the show. And like once my initial like complete and utter shock like wore off and like my brain was functioning a little bit better later in the show, I was like, I need to FaceTime them so they can like just see this and like experience some element like live from the first show. So I texted you guys first and it was so funny. You like Mads was about to go to sleep. Kathy was like at a bar. And I was like, guys, are you up? And like, Matt's like, what's wrong? Like, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm at the Taylor show. And Kath was like, I just ran out of the bar. Like, I'm ready. And I don't even remember anymore, like what song or era. It's now been literally a month. So it's been a sec, but it was a blur. I Facetime. I feel like it was about a song and a half. I couldn't actually talk to you guys or really hear you guys. I just like held my phone up and kind of watched your facial expressions And it was really fun.
1: (laughs) It was the best. So I was actually, you guys know, I am an insane Taylor Swift fan. So I was actually watching the live stream on TikTok whenever Kelsey called us. Um, And I was so excited. And I found out actually shortly after Kathy and I connected. And we said we both took screenshots of when we were on with you on FaceTime. But it was the coolest thing. And I was so excited and honored that you thought of us and shared it with us. And I felt so cool to like have my own like intro to to the show. So I very much that made my
2: whole week. That was a, such a special moment. And yes, we definitely have to share our screenshots on social, because we could truly hear it so clearly, which was amazing. And then made me think of how quiet the entire like stadium was uh, for it to be heard so clearly. And then at the same time, I feel like we started lip singing it because I didn't want to like make a sound like through your phone, even though it was like, tens of thousands of people were there and we probably wouldn't have been heard but still I just want to be sure that we weren't making any noise either
1: yeah we were fully like karaoke like lip sync karaoke <laughs> on facetime I was in bed it was like like Kelsey said Kathy was at a bar it was great how different time zones we were and we were all just like yeah this is something we stop everything for completely yes
0: no I appreciate that so the people around me wouldn't like be giving me like side eye if I had like all these girls screaming from my phone um but no it was fun and I was very much thinking of you guys and I know Mads was able to like sneak outside of a concert in Florida barely just a couple days ago so we love that we're all still connecting with Taylor the best we can um But other updates, just like complete whirlwind through Arizona and back. Um, This is a long story, but was supposed to make it to my cousin's bachelorette party with my sister. And we both got bombarded with the weirdest ailments. My sister got like the most horrible flu or some kind of virus. And I got the most random eye infection and they were both happening at similar times. And we never made it to our cousin's bachelorette party that we like co-planned. And it was like devastating and weird. And Kylie's friend had to house us. And while Kylie's was way more intense in the moment and horrible, obviously that's like miserable. I had to go on two different weeks courses of antibiotics for my eye, and actually it's still not even 100% better. So just dealing with random ailments mixed into going to New York for work for opening day, um, which was great. But side note, I missed the Jonas Brothers coming on the field at Yankee Stadium by one day, and it's soul-crushing because – you know, like literally no one else out on the field really cares who the Jonas Brothers are. So I feel like I actually (laughs) could have had a moment to talk to them and interact with them in some way while I like had some legitimacy with like a badge on. So that very sad missed opportunity there. And then I did sneak away for real to Palm Desert for Easter. And then I, to continue with my face ailments that I was dealing with today, very Monday energy. So my eye is still not fully healed. Yesterday I dropped my phone on my nose so hard. It's literally bruised. And today I also had a cavity filled and somehow getting the cavity filled was like the most relaxing part of my day somehow today. So that's <laughs> where I am at this very moment. Um But we're here and I missed you guys and I'm just excited to be back and looking at your faces.
2: We are manifesting a calmer next month with just maybe some less travel, taking care of ourselves. And I think that goes for everybody, not just Kelsey, because I know Mads had kind of a whirlwind of some travels too and lots going on. So any updates on your end, Mads?
1: Yes, I actually have an exciting update that neither one of you know about that I just thought of before, like as we started pushing record, um, but I'm going to first go through a little bit of the traveling stuff too, because I want to make sure I, I mentioned it because I know that uh, one of my favorite experiences of the last month is with uh, one of my favorite people and listener of the podcast. I ended up getting to go um, stay with Shannon for about a week and her a little less than a week Her sweet angel husband knew we were both just like overwhelmed in the weeds. And he booked me a flight on points to come see them. So I got to come work remote with them. Um, They've got a really cool like townhouse with three different levels. So we were all just like working remote at different levels of the house, which was cool. Um, We got to go see John Mayer and sat on the floor. um, And it was just absolutely incredible. Um, He has done stuff that I have never been able to see and like no one else i can think of even you know love her taylor it was he he came out and he didn't have any opening song he didn't have any big crazy spotlight anything he just walked out with his guitar and opened a slow dancing in a burning room and sat on a on a bar stool and just played and the way he commands a crowd and just plays the guitar is so magical and incredible and being there with my best friend and All of our friends, like, we went with the whole crew crew we went to Coachella with. And I had one of her childhood best friends who's also very dear to me come. Um, So it was just an absolutely perfect experience. And then we just kind of got to lay around, watch Succession. We went to the zoo and did some bar hopping and stuff. But really just, like, spend time recouping together, which I was really grateful for. Um, And then, like Kelsey said... I ended up going to Orlando last minute, and we drove down to Tampa to try to get Airis tickets. We were unable to, but I did not let it stop the fun. I ended up going with my sister and one of our dear friends, Courtney, whose wedding we're in, and we basically just like had a cooler and stayed outside, watched on the Jumbotron, danced the whole time. Um, honestly probably had more fun doing that than I probably would have inside and I was $500 richer. Um, but it was really just so fun to kind of be with my people and be like, we don't have to be doing the crazy expensive thing and like stress out about putting extra money on the credit card or whatever it is. Like just really being able to be with your people and with all the crazy stuff that's been going on in life, like just being able to like fully just like sit in and enjoy it. Um, so that was really magical. I actually just got back today. Um, And I'll be going back to Orlando in a couple weeks for a wedding, but hopefully it does uh, slow down a little bit there.
2: I love to hear that. Um, I love to hear how you were just very thoughtful and practical on the go with that, which kind of is actually a great segue into our own topic for today of things that are also expensive besides Ares tickets are funerals so just diving right in can you say that sentence one more time i just want to make sure i heard you right but that was the most
1: amazing transition ever
2: that might be, that might be my
1: favorite transition in the history just of one the podcast more time, so, Pat, can i hear it one more time other
2: things that are expensive besides eras tickets are funerals which we really just hate spending money on not the same excitement or level of excitement that an era's concert gives us <laughs> That's for sure. Um, so yeah, just diving right into our to our topic today, which is kind of the financial burden that loss uh, kind of imposes on all of us, either extended family members, immediate family members. And I think it kind of ranges from what happens in the moment, like truly all of the funeral planning and burial costs or cremation costs to some longer term impacts that I think affect families like for so many decades to come even. So I think we were trying to just cover it all um, and kind of share our own perspectives on it. I did it do a quick Google search before our podcast today and I just wanted to note that according to US funerals online which is a real website um it costs about and this is also I think this might be centered around California costs so it might be on the higher end but around $8,000 just for a funeral and then you add in another two thousand for either cemetery expenses or cremation expenses. So it definitely can be such a burden. I mean, ten grand is not an easy cost to cover. And I think um, we were kind of mentioning earlier, like we see so many GoFundmes kind of pop up for some of those freak accidents or, you know, families that are more in need and need to kind of cover those costs um, that they were unexpected or just can't financially kind of overcome. So I don't know what you guys have kind of seen, like GoFundMe pages kind of pop up more for, I know, I'm sure there were some for like accidents and very freak accidents. I feel like that happens a lot too. I don't know if either of you kind of want to comment on that.
0: Yeah, I feel like you see with the yeah, anything more sudden with younger people, but honestly, just like life's expensive. This economy's crazy. And I feel like almost any time somebody passes away, it there's a GoFundMe page started by like a friend or a family member because everyone knows that unless you're really, really, really crazy fortunate, like that is a very large dent in your finances, regardless. And so it just kind of Fucked up, for lack of a better word. I was going to say sad and it's sad too, but it's really fucked up that it's like you're already dealing with this horrible loss and like all of the emotions and logistics that come with that. And then you need to send people in debt just because they want to have like a nice occasion to like celebrate that person. And sure, there's different ranges you can commit to. But like you said, burial and cremation, things that like kind of have to be handled in some way to be so expensive is just so shitty that like we have to crowdsource and have people come and help. But I mean, I guess if you look at other big moments, right, you think of like bar mitzvahs, bat mitzvahs, they're giving money. Bridal showers, wedding showers, you're giving people gifts and money. Weddings, you're giving people gifts and money. Baby showers, you're giving people gifts and money. But there's no like funeral shower where you like get money beforehand. So I guess like the alternative is like a GoFundMe type thing, or you just have like behind the scenes, like extra friends and families chip in. Like what did people do before GoFundMe was a thing?
1: But yeah, those are, that's my take on it. No, I absolutely agree, and a lot of times it comes from those, like you said, those younger people and those tragedies. Um, but it kind of when we when we were briefly talking about it, I remember uh, my my grandmother on my mother's side. We've never they've never had great money um, or been great at it. Uh, they have a old barn house with steep stairs that I she does not need to crawl up and down every day to go to bed, but she's. Uh, headstrong and won't move, um, but they. I remember when, whenever he had passed, she was so worried about everything about going, like how we're going to do everything. And I mean, they've lived a good life, and they just weren't really able to be on the spectrum or financially be smart enough or whatever it was to be able to to do all the things without stressing. So you have that too, like her. She's eighty, and her husband passes away, and she's stressed out about all this stuff. And we ended up; it all worked out. We did it at the church, but it was very low key. Um, I think my mom helped with pitching into everything. We all just took care of like the cremation part, and then my uncle cooked and people brought stuff, and it was very different and from a lot of other funerals I've been to. But it's just kind of shows you that it just adds that extra stressor to something that's already life-altering and terrible and heartbreaking and horrible to have to think about on top of everything else. So I definitely think without getting too political, like you said, Kels, it's just like it's this economy, the way everything is, it's just it's crazy that sometimes even in the worst moments you can have with losing somebody you also have to figure out how to be able to get groceries or whatever it is the next week if you can't you know spend all the money that you want you to, to celebrate your loved one
2: I think you kind of hit on some interesting point there and this might be more like older generation or like more traditional thinking but sometimes like it I'm sure that other people or maybe like and I'm good I'm talking real old school here, like if a man was like the financial support of the house or kind of handled all the finances, then that kind of leaves his partner to have to figure it all out. And maybe they weren't really like – um exposed to any of those processes, or like, you know, paying bills, like, or handling taxes, or talking to advisors, and all of that stuff, like, maybe could have been with the the person who passed away. And now that kind of all of those responsibilities are on this person's partner. So I guess I should say whoever it is, not just a male, I'm just saying um, that if that happens, I think that that's something I'm sure is like, such a stressful factor to have to consider that Is another layer to the emotional, like well being, and um, everything that you're kind of going through at that time.
1: Yeah, you you hit the nail on the head too, just by saying that. And in thinking of even the other side of it is figuring out with my grandma because in the older ages, I mean, people we didn't talk about stuff like they didn't know. My grandma didn't know how to pay the bills in certain ways that my grandpa did, just just to take care of. Since you know they were married forever, so just kind of figuring out how that shift goes. Um, is something that that is you don't think about it till it happens. And I would be curious to kind of hear both of your points on it. um, Because you have both lost parents, and you are also younger cats. So I don't know if if you even thought because I didn't thought about money when I was younger, I just thought, you know, nothing mattered. So I'd be curious to hear if any kind of whatever you're comfortable sharing, if anything shifted or anything comes to mind whenever we bring up that topic.
2: Yeah, I can definitely share from my experience. And I come from the perspective where obviously I was a kid, so I wasn't taking care of any of the financial responsibilities at the time. Um, But I think that for me, my dad was definitely the breadwinner of the family. So there was a lot of change and shift and some of it that I'm not even privy to today, to be honest, Um, especially like when I think about uh, his job and what was left there and kind of like, so to reiterate, I think I've said this before, but my dad had his own law firm. And so there were just so many things that I can't even imagine had to be tied up there and like, how did partners, you know, like get paid out, it had to dissolve, like, so many cases had to be, um, finalized and still played out after, um, his passing. And that's all information I would honestly kind of love to learn about just to like, I'm just curious of like, how that all kind of played out. I'm, I'm sure they had to kind of like finish and finalize all the cases that they were working on. And then kind of, um, dissolve the partnership or the the firm at the end of the day. So that's just one component of it. Um, Obviously, that's his job and everyone that was impacted there, his employees, like the other partners and everybody there. But then there's obviously my own family life that also was impacted. And I think that, I mean, my dad really had such a like rags to riches story I feel like and really made the most of coming to America and like kind of living the American dream and getting um to provide more opportunities for myself than he had and I'm so very thankful for all of the work that he did to do that and so I think I uh, just first of all just wanted to acknowledge that of my dad and then second of all like things definitely shifted after he passed. And um, not only obviously are those immediate expenses definitely a burden, but I'm sure all of the medical expenses that had to happen in that year and a half were astronomical. And so something that I think just it's so shitty that anyone has to deal with that. And then moving into like the future, that kind of just shifted a lot of things for our family and we did have a house. And so we were very fortunate to have that already, but like it kind of just put all the pressure on my mom, right? Like now she was a single parent and had to provide, but at the same time, um, I think it's important to note, like having and carrying this really emotional burden that's uh, that you have can take a toll on the motivation that you have as well. So I think that that's something that I really saw with my mom um, that kind of led into like, okay, so first let me get my kind of well-being together and just get out of this quote-unquote depressive fog that we've talked about before I can even like think about getting another job And I'll also note that my mom actually helped with my dad's firm. So technically, her job was also gone too. So that was something that she had to like kind of come to terms with. And I think it took a while for her to even be in a state, emotional state, where she was okay working again. And like, again, this is definitely like a more vulnerable topic. But I think that it's important to note because I don't think a lot of people talk about how hard it must be to get into working again after bereavement. And like, like we say on here, there is no actual timeline to grief and how much time you need to take off from work and all of that. So I definitely, I think growing up, it was, I didn't understand like what was happening. I just thought like my mom would go straight back into work. Um, And as an adult have come to realize like a lot of that emotional impact Uh, or the emotional hardship impacted her ability to get back into the workforce. So I think that that's something important to call out. And I think for me, it also helped – it just honestly um, kind of, I guess, pushed me to grow up more and, like, quicker, I guess, than traditionally. And I think I've talked about this in general in terms of maturity, but then, like, just things of, you know – booking my own like appointments for things like medical appointments or like calling to order myself food like earlier than probably like my other friends like learned how to do those things like i was just picking up on these little tasks around the home that i think i had to take on because my mom was taking on so much as a single parent too so i think that was another call out that i think just helped me I know there's such little things, but in the end, I do think that it helped me like mature and grow up a little bit more and also figure out how to live a little bit more independently.
1: Thank you for sharing that. I know that, like you said, it was kind of a vulnerable topic. Um, and I'm, I'm going to have just a quick follow-up question, and you do not have to answer if you don't feel comfortable. Um, did you think when you were younger were you more aware that since that had happened, like, you wouldn't go ask for extra money to go to the movies with your friends? Like, did you have that recognition when you were younger or did it take till you were older? Because I've never dealt with grief at a young age, so I was, I'm not sure if I would have been able to, because comp- I was always, you know, if my parents said I couldn't have money for the mall, I'd be sad. So, like, I just I didn't know if, if that was in your psyche when you were smaller?
2: That's a great question. I think that I I don't think I was as aware of that. And I think I still, a part of it is like, I wanted to be, I wanted to ignore the fact that we were in a different financial state. And so I still wanted all of those things to happen. And I almost convinced myself that they could um, based on certain circumstances. And then I don't think it took until I was an adult to realize like how hard it was and also like and also I don't think it took me until my adult life to realize like what my mom was actually going through like in my lens when I was younger I was just like oh this person has to provide for me like no matter what like just take care of me like in terms of like physical needs and so and then also I think I also wanted like a little extra on top of that cuz I didn't want to be different than my friends because of what had happened, like I could have understood if we were in, started out like from like day one in a different stage, but to like go through the transition was really hard for me to accept. So I think that that was kind of like my thought process through it all. Um, and of course, I don't, but I don't blame myself. Like I was young and I didn't have any other way to understand.
0: Um, No, thank you, Kath, for diving into this. I know for many reasons this is very vulnerable. Um, I'm curious if any of this shaped your initial decision to try to go more into the finance universe of work first, like because you had this desire to like take control almost of like... Well, that that happened to my family was very out of my control and sucks. Like, I want to feel secure and be in control. And then, of course, it took you a few years to be like, I don't like this. I'm going to do a job that I actually care more about. But do you think that shaped those
2: thoughts early on? So as much as I want to say yes, I don't think so. I thought I had made a really great connection. But would be amazing Kels um if that all connected but no I think that the finance thing was in a different realm just for so of the like uh I felt the pressure of my academia and like the caliber of work that I had to live up to to my dad's work and that finance would be a field that would live up to that kind of caliber um and so I think I was doing that more so for other people than for myself. And I had that realization a couple of years ago and changed it to work that I now want to do for myself.
0: Okay. That also makes sense. That's okay. So there's a little yeah. bit
2: of a connection <laughs> okay. there. Okay. <laughs> I,
1: I like it. I like it. Kath or Kels, um, after hearing Kath kind of talk about that, is there, do you have any kind of parallels or I mean, I know you were more... Um, you were a little older. So sometimes, I mean, I still don't have great grasp on money. As I said, I almost spent $500 on heiress tickets. Um, But do you have any kind of like any more awareness or how did the kind of financial switch of things um, go up when your mom passed away?
0: Yeah, I would say when I was younger, and it was more like the medical bill side of things, I definitely did not have awareness of that, that like for the amount of years she was dealing with like crazy surgeries. I would just sometimes hear comments of my dad being like, well, thank God I have like good health insurance. Cause like, I'm guessing like if he didn't like anyone in America would have gone bankrupt for the amount of surgeries and treatments. And I would say I was very unaware of that, but for, by the time she passed, I was more, not that I was like familiar with what things in the funeral and death industry cost, but I was more aware of the finances. And uh, since I, like I've talked about before, was very much in like the driver's seat for planning the funeral, I had to hear and be aware of like all the different dollar amounts and be like helping with all the different planning. And um, I would say also a big difference here is that though my mom had a lot of like part-time jobs that assisted, she was not the breadwinner of our family. So had the tables been turned, like I think The massive like change in the state of your household would have been different, but that was not as much of a factor. It was more of like, okay, and I literally just pulled up a note on my phone, right? Real official with money, no Excel sheet. It was literally an iPhone note that I was like writing down, like, this is how much the church costs, this is how much the flowers cost, this is how much. The alcohol for the funeral costs. This is how much the rentals cost. This is how much to get pictures developed. This is how much for programs. This is how much for transportation for my family. We were very, like, I think I've shared my family friends let us host it at their house. So we were very lucky that we didn't have to pay a venue charge. Otherwise that would have been expensive, but we had to pay to get porta potties brought in and we had to pay, you know, we decided that cremation was the right move and we decided, you know, that's payment. And then the you know, grave site situation and that engravement and the spot and like all of that costs all of the money. And it was just one thing after another. And we were in, I would say, a more fortunate situation than most that my mom's like family, like the grandparent side and our other family members were like very on board to support and making you know, the day what we wanted it to be. Like it was nothing extravagant out of this world, but it was very nice. And having the friends let us like do things at the house was really helpful. Um, But it was a weird position to be in to like be seeing all of that and then like feeling like, oh my God, this is so expensive. But also like my mom deserves the best, but also like, whoa, this is all like adding up in weird ways. And like, oh, thank God our family can help cover this, but it's just like a weird and it's a haze and I'm like keeping track of things. And I'm like, it's just all very, it's an awkward, uncomfortable, unfortunate layer on top of everything else. But yeah, I would say because I was an adult and because I was like tallying up the grand total that I eventually, like it was me doing that, not like my dad. So that was kind of a unique position to be in. And I like am exposed to the event planning world a little bit through my work and I have to manage like budgets for shoots. So I'm like, I had some experience with that, but I was like, this is such a weird way to be like, okay, I keep track of expenses for my work and not have to keep it. Ex- like, it was just like, this is not what I fucking signed up for at age 25 in life, but that's what I was doing. And so, yeah, I would say Kath and I, and this one have, Just different places in life, the breadwinner versus not breadwinner, like probably very different, but it shows how vastly complicated the dimensions of finances and death can be.
2: Out of curiosity, did the numbers that we say at the, or mention at the beginning of the podcast are in line with what those expenses were for your mom? And you can just say above, way above range or below range and- I know even though your family was fortunate, I think I'd just be out of curiosity.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. What was the number you said again? I already Probably forgot.
2: Probably like I'm sorry. minimum 10K all in.
0: Is that including funeral or like also gravesite cremation? All of it. Was that everything? All of it. All of it? All of it? Above. Okay. Above. Yeah. For sure. And that's having a venue we got for free, but also like – Have I ever shown you guys pictures from my mom's service? There's not many, but, like, one family member took a couple. I'll have to show you guys, like, what the setup looked like. Like I said, in a weird way, I, like, created it just so you can, like, see. It was, like, very nice, but um, nothing, like I said, like, over the top. But, yeah, I would say the rentals, the food, the drink. Because also, let me throw this in here with the money. It's not a wedding where you get RSVPs. You do not know how many people are going to show up. So you have to like give like the best idea you possibly can, which is really weird math equation game to play. Like, okay, well, we've heard that these people are coming in for it. But like, it's like you post, Kylie and I posted on our social media and we would have some people message me like, is it okay? But it was like, no, like technically we did open it up. Like anyone could come. And we had to know like, okay, this is the church capacity. And this is roughly the capacity our friend's house can hold. And this is how many people we think are going to fly in. But like, you don't know. And it was like, it was June of 2021. So coming out of like covid times of even gathering, like we just barely were out where we were legally even allowed to like have a gathering of that size. So you have to like get all this food and drink and like stuff and you don't know how many people are coming, which is another. And like, yeah, how are you supposed to guess and know? I don't even remember how we even walked through. But yeah, I would say it's a, it was above that number. All of that was, yeah, it's an expensive industry. I mean, people's, you hear more normal cost conversations for people our age, which I'm also a part of because I'm planning a bachelorette party right now, is more the bachelorette and wedding industry and how crazy those have become. But unfortunately, people also get to experience that funeral costs and death costs and everything there. I mean, I would say we ended up spending money then, right? Like we sent thank you presents for all the people who helped host. Um, my sister, dad, and I, I believe, all got new black clothing to wear because we didn't want to wear something we already had, and then we, but we also didn't want to wear it again, and shoes and. You know, we, she had her famous cookie recipe that, and then we wanted to get this thing made. And so obviously those were all, some of those were personal decisions that we decided in the moment were touches that felt important to us. Like in our immediate, in my most immediate grieving process, planning the funeral is where my energy went. So I was in it and like making those decisions while some of those are not like, like having a certain dessert was not like a requirement, like choosing between a burial or cremation. But it was a part of a weird coping time for me too, and it's just weird how money gets weaved all in that.
1: Yeah, i uh, I absolutely, I absolutely agree, oh. and it's it's such a crazy thing that you don't really think about. And I've had two different experiences, and I always kind of have growing up. Like I always knew I would have more presents or whatever at Grandma Miguel's house than I would at you know Grandma Mitchell's house. But um, even so, down to the funeral, and I remember when I was when I was there for my grandpa Mitchell's funeral. So like I had said, I've mentioned before, I don't know how much it cost. I don't want to know. My sweet angel sister, we found out he had a few hours to live and she booked me a flight and I was on a flight within an hour and a half because we were very close and I was able to sit with him as he passed away, which is something I'll always be able to treasure. And it's like even little things like, that, like the flights and All of the all of the things that go into it, but it is like whenever we were planning, we did it at the church. We did kind of like a potluck thing, and I remember my cousin was pissed because her dad really wanted to use some of the like light up tree things they used at her wedding, and she's like, "It's not a fucking wedding, like it's not a celebration." But we just they just didn't have the money to, to make it anything that they wanted that you know not that of he was worth or whatever, but it's like we wanted to be able to celebrate him as, as much as, as we could. Um, and it's just funny to see the dif- differences, not in a good or bad way. I mean, I was always spoiled and loved and adored by both of them. But, you know, my grandpa Mitchell had a cork board with uh, the to of like science fair projects with pictures we printed out and put up there. And grandpa McGill had, you know, a whole Thing with like a funeral service, and then we went out to lunch after with everybody, and like rented out a restaurant privately, and and even down to like you said, Kels, like the clothes and things. Like I, I was on a flight within an hour, and so I didn't have anything there. So I went to TJ Maxx and got the cheapest thing I could find because I knew that I might have to chip in for some of the things. Um, and you know, it was just so different how it how it goes. Not necessarily. You don't think about it in the moment, especially when you're dealing with all that blackout and like all the stressful issues. But now that we're talking about it now, you can really see the parallels and like very different financial situations. And even now, like I don't have to worry about my one of my grandmas and the other one. I kind of will send her vitamins to her on Amazon. It's just kind of interesting how things play out. And when you're in it, you don't realize or you do, but just two very different experiences, I think, um, is something that is kind of uh, almost like an eclipse of like knowing what we kind of knew growing up, but then seeing it kind of play out in the final stages of life for some for them is very interesting thing. I think that like, I've never really, like I started thinking about, but like didn't realize obviously um, when I was younger. So that was really interesting. Um, and I also wanted to comment because I know Kathy mentioned, you know, going back to work after bereavement and all of those things, you um, When both of my grandparents passed away, I took off. I was very close with both of them, obviously. Um, But I I took off a a week of work for both, um, at least. And I remember I literally held my grandpa's hand as he passed away. And it was right after COVID or in COVID. And I had gone, you know, down to part-time hours because nobody was buying marketing and radio. So I wasn't I didn't get bereavement, so I had to go a week and a half unpaid, and then after that, figure out how to help my grandma pay her bills and figure out how to pay my own bills. And um, Ultimately, that's kind of what, what changed with me moving my jobs because I was like, this is so shitty to not only feel like I'm here supporting my family, but I'm stressed out because if I don't go back to work and figure out how to zip it up, then I can't buy the dog food. Like it's just crazy stuff to kind of realize that like, even when life happens in that instance, and even sometimes I still stress and I think we all do about money. But even in that instance, it was something I was already dealing with so emotionally that I then had to figure out and stress about like then to figure out, you know, what can I do? And I remember being planning, helping plan the funeral stuff and writing the obituaries and still having a pit in my stomach because I had to figure out how I was going to make rent. Because I wasn't making a lot of money and I was part time, so I didn't get those benefits. So I had to take off all that time unpaid, which is really detrimental when you're living by yourself in a city on the beach. So I remember that kind of being a very like scary, vulnerable moment when I was like, "Damn, adulting really fucking sucks."
2: Yes, um, thank you for sharing that. It's very relatable, and I think like I also kind of, in a different sense. Um, appreciated the lesson of having to be financially independent for myself. Like I know people kind of talk about maybe divorce and how like you you know you can't really depend on another partner and you should be able to kind of like provide for yourself and all of that. And some people cannot. And so I think like through a different lens and through loss is how I learned like that it was so important to be financially independent for myself. And that was a kind of a big learning lesson that I think I took away like from this whole experience of just like, you really can never, you don't know what's going to happen and you kind of have to like be prepared for anything that can happen. And it, it was like obviously through shitty experiences nevertheless, but I think just ever so more important, um, could I be more responsible with my money? Definitely, but I think like everybody could probably to a certain extent. Um, but I just think that the like the def the uh, main message there was taught me to kind of be prepared and uh, make sure like in case of an emergency that I'll be okay and things like that. So I think that was also something that I took with me at such a young age um, and continue to do so today.
0: No, I think that's a good point, Kath. And like you said, the most shitty delivery of an important life message, but like going back to our episode about waiting for the other shoe to drop a couple ago, um, that like the money side and like, yeah, being like, I want to make sure I'm covered and have enough in my savings. Cause I do know the worst possible thing can happen and be ready. And Mads, to your point, I think bereavement leave and, I would say the vast majority of companies in America. There's no way it is anywhere up to par. I think I want to say I don't fully remember that the bereavement leave at my company was a couple days and I had to tap into vacation days for the rest of my time. And my dad was in a similar situation. Maybe he had a couple days and like, I think the amount of time he took off, I want to say even some of it maybe wasn't even covered. But just to your point, Kath, too, of like being in an emotional headspace to like work again, it was like he wasn't there yet. He needed like the time. And just the fact that, I mean, you hear all the arguments for like, okay, you got to get maternity leave up, you got to get paternity leave up. But it's like you don't hear bereavement leave in those conversations as publicly anymore. And like we've all said, there's no exact timeline but that bank of days should be bigger. And I also don't think it's fair to be like label who has to die to get the bereavement leave. Like if it's somebody close to you, whatever relationship that means, like whether it's a grandparent, parent, a friend, like that should be something that is covered by more companies. And that's a soapbox I will stand on. But not necessarily one that I don't need to go too much more into now because I know we all understand and agree. But yeah, to like add on, like Mads, like you're there trying to comfort your family and then not even able to get paid time off. Like, and yes, it was COVID, but that just, again, it adds such deep stress on top of everything else you're already handling.
1: Yeah. You made a great point that I didn't even say because I just didn't think about it, but I did use my vacation time to get money. And then I had to miss my friend's weddings because I couldn't have vacation time off because I couldn't figure it out. And I started dog sitting. And the whole reason I did all of those crazy things was because of this whole snowball effect of just like shit, basically, uh, which kind of sucks. But I know I've been on the more like Happy-ish level. Um, I know I mentioned this when it happened, but um, we talked about you know Kathy, your dad having his own law firm, and when I talked about my friend whose husband passed away this past summer, she has her own company, and he was he was the breadwinner, um, and so the. GoFundMe was actually when we had, they had made it it was to help keep her business open which I thought was a really cool thing and like they covered whatever it was financially but her sister who made it for her was like it's to help keep the cycle studio open which is so important to so many people and now it's still growing which is so great but I don't think that would have happened if we didn't use that platform to be able to raise the money to keep her company open it was because like god i mean how terrible if you were to lose your love of your life and then lose your baby like you're like you're like your work baby like that was they did it together in the pandemic and it was I think that that was very um a cool way to see that you know the money and the fundraising and the crowdsourcing and all things we were doing was to keep her going which I thought was really cool because I haven't really seen that too often of usually it's to cover the funeral stuff but it was like to keep her going and being able to make an income and to keep keeping her own little dream alive on a on a positive side so I thought that was always a really that always really made it an easier time to be, like, she's being supported. We don't have to worry. Like, we do, but, like, you know, it was there was an extra layer of comfort there.
2: That is really nice that that is what kind of, like, was where all, like, the donations were being driven to. Like, I feel like that's just almost more of, like, a beautiful thing to witness and see, like, a GoFundMe page for. Like, even though, obviously, we can't avoid depressing situations, I think it maybe adds, like, a little bit more light into, like, continuing continuing a legacy of a person who has passed, I think that that is something that like kind of resonates with a lot of people. And I think that they find themselves contributing to those types of um, goals or missions. And I think we've just been hitting on like so many of the sacrifices that we have to make, like you just said, that snowball effect of all of the sacrifices later down that you have in your life from this loss, like, and some that you may not even realize you'll have to like a base head on later on because of what has happened. So I think that that's something that just continues to be like a constant thread through all of the conversations like with Kelsey as well. Like, are you sacrificing who can come like to your celebration of life or your funeral service? Because maybe in other circumstances, like you wouldn't be able to afford to host all of those people, but you want everyone to come and celebrate your mom and you know that she deserves that. So it's just like, constant sacrifices that I feel like we have to make in general with grief emotionally and physical ones and then also financial ones as we're touching on here.
1: Um, I wanted to share, too, that the link for that, not not in a way to say go donate or go whatever, but if, you want, if you're if you curious and you want to see it or if, God forbid, something happens, you need to borrow that verbiage, um, the link for that is still in my personal Instagram bio, and I'm also happy to share it. Um, and again, not in any way to be like, go donate or go see it, but mainly just because it is something I haven't seen before. Um, and so it's pretty cool to, and I keep it up there just in case people search for me and are still able to donate or want to see it. Um, but it's uh, it's really cool that that is kind of how that all that all, um, wound up. I thought I for wanted sure. to touch on that
0: part. No, thank you for sharing that and throwing that out there. I think the idea that people do like donating money in somebody's name or donating money to the cause that that person was passionate about or to the foundation of the disease that they passed away from is like an interesting angle too. Where it's like if there's not a GoFundMe. Um, like I know a lot of people or like you decide when you write in an obituary, like either to direct people to send flowers or direct people to donate money to a foundation. And like in the social norms of somebody passing away, it's like send flowers to the house and then donate money in their name to something. And it's kind of a like trying to take a step back and like think about that. It's kind of interesting. Like I think a positive thing, but just the fact that That's like people feel the need to do something and that's something they feel is productive to do. So I know, I believe we put the American Cancer Foundation and we got a lot, you get like notices, like when people donate in her name and it was cool to see like who did that, no pressure or anything to anyone who didn't, but just throwing that out there. And then, you know, for people who really have the resources and everything to like create something that's like the Cary Roth house, like preventative cancer foundation or people who open up like hospital wings, like that's really cool and crazy. and would be like amazing to do and like all props to those people. But yeah, just you guys mentioning that just reminded me that that's a whole other like wing of something that people do in regards to money after people die.
2: Yeah. And I think an interesting point there too is I feel like Whether it's donating to like research or like prevention for a disease, or also just like health and awareness for like a mental illness, that sometimes can be the last thing that people associate that person with. And sometimes family members don't want that person to be associated with that disease or. Mental illness or something like that, and I think that that's something that's really interesting too. And I've seen people having to make a decision of whether or not they want to post that because they don't know or if their loved one like would have wanted to be associated with that.
1: Those are both great points that you guys brought up, and kind of going back to the you know um, societal norms that you touched on, Kath, old timey. But I remember. I wrote the obituary for my grandpa Mitchell, I remember my grandma made a comment about wanting to like put something about like to help the family. And I remember being like, we can't do that. Like that's not because it, it just nobody does that. And I was like, I'm not going to put that on grandpa's thing to be like, that's like he was put out being someone who was like, oh, we need the money. Like I didn't want to do him not proud by being able to like, say that, you know, maybe you could donate to the family. Um, and I, So we didn't have anything there. And I remember I had a coworker at the radio station reached out to me and asked what I was passionate about. And she ended up donating money to, to write love on her arms in his name, who was a, a nonprofit for mental health and self-harm awareness, which was the one of the most touching things I think anyone's ever been able to do for me. Um, and I know my papas, on the other hand, was kind of a mix of, of what you said, Kath or Kels, um, about not being what they wanted to be remembered by, but um, – without going into the the cause and everything, but we put um the Anthony Rizzo Family Foundation on My Papa's, which Kelsey might be able to appreciate as a baseball girly. Um but it was it's for cancer research, but it also is kind of ingrained in the Cubs organization. Um, or was. And uh, as I've spoken on before, the Cubs were very important to my Papa. So it was kind of cool to be able to donate to a cause, but also tie it back to like something that we were also passionate about, um, which I thought was really, really special in that case. So that's always been really happy that we were able to kind of tie in both of those things with being with the Cubs kind of and uh, still donating to something that was, was important and making, making difference.
0: No, those are all definitely good points. And Kath, I do remember... Not being able to connect those dots so directly at the time, but being like, obviously it was very nice. People were donating and that's what we felt like we needed to do. But the moment she passed, I wanted to forget cancer like existed on planet earth and never hear the word again, see the word again, like feel it, think about it, associate her with it. So seeing a lot of things, yeah, with her name on it, with the American, it's like, but that's the last way I want to remember her by like obviously it's a beautiful thing to donate money to a foundation that's doing something very important I'm not trying to take away from that but you're actually making me realize like I wasn't really able to like think like why but it's because of that yeah it's like you know every picture we had up with her at the service obviously she's young and vibrant and healthy and like as we say, like when you deal with somebody who's passed away from an illness, you like instantly just want to like flood yourself with memories of them being healthy. So associating them with that, um, I think was tough. And looking back, it is like a double-edged sword where it's like, it's a very nice thing to do and people want to contribute to something, but yeah, that's a weird one to kind of grapple with. I've never really thought about it like that before.
1: Um. Thank you for sharing, Kels. But Kath, I wanted to ask you. And pardon my ignorance. Was online crowdsourcing around whenever you were dealing with all that? If do you remember? Because I don't. And again, part I don't. I don't know when it kind of became more popular. But now I feel like we see it everywhere. Was that even a thing whenever you guys were planning? If you remember,
2: I mean, I was so young, but I would imagine that GoFundMe was not around. I'm sure maybe there was like some other type of. Um, way that you could do that or maybe there wasn't and it was just generally like whoever wanted to like give a check to my mom or something like that like that would be the way that um, people would find um, a way to donate to either the cause or or um, any funeral expenses or anything like that Um, but yeah I, I feel like there wasn't so that's also another weird factor.
0: One thing that we haven't touched on yet—that's another way, like people put money into things—is people obviously will send food. Like that's always the thing of like not just treats, but like people want to cover your groceries. People want to like give you meals or bring you meals or set up a meal train. Um, Kath, from your side of things, did that happen right away? I'm curious with the gender norms there of like the male. I have no idea who cooked more in your family, but like, was that ever something that really picked up, or do you not remember like giving food being as big of a thing?
2: Well, I will say we were never the home cooked meal family. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but my dad was had five sisters, and all of those sisters, almost all of those sisters, came and helped. Um, out when he was sick and had passed, like and that involved just babysitting me, but also cooking for me as well. And I feel like that is a very big way of how probably definitely in Latino culture how people show love um is through food and through meals. So that's something that I think was maybe underappreciated by me at the time because I felt like it was just my like physical needs that were being met. Um and I probably wanted like a little bit more, but that was their way of expressing like how much they cared. And if they couldn't help financially, they could at least cook the food or cook meals for us. um, And for me at home.
1: Not to put you on blast, but one of my favorite memories of us so far in our friendship has been when I was down one day and we sat on FaceTime at like on a Friday night, we both ordered DoorDash. So I do know, you know, the not the home cooked family thing still rings true a little bit for the both of us. Uh, But I had to, uh, I had to comment that that was uh, definitely still uh, a, a, Something that happens often. I fully
2: (laughs) have admitted that I eat a lot of fast food on this podcast. So I have no shame.
0: (laughs) I get a good amount of DoorDash too. I do. It's just life and scheduling, cooking, just not always it. But no, that makes sense. Like your family coming over and helping. And that is like a big part of the culture to like show that off. Um, This is one that I'm going to guess you guys, like based on circumstance and age, can't relate to. But my sister and dad and I kind of went through a phase of this like in the first few months after where we were like, fuck it, we're getting the nicer dinner. We're going to the nicer restaurant. We just like went through hell. So like, fuck it, we don't even care. Like, let's just like we had a weird moment of like, um, you know, when you're sad and you're like, I'm going to do retail therapy. Not that we did anything outrageous, but I remember we were like, you know, if we were deciding between... You know, because it was like this weird short fix or I remember like we were staying at a hotel for like one of my sister's graduations and my dad, who would never do this, like slightly upgraded our room because it's kind of like a, well, we deserve it. It's like we just went through hell and back. So like we deserve this thing and who cares? Like there was this brief moment of that energy. And like I said, I don't know if you guys would have experienced that, but like I wonder if anyone else out there... Listening did where it was almost like a weird way to like reason why spending a little bit more money because it's like you just went through hell, so you like deserve to treat yourself, but it's like that's not sustainable and probably wasn't healthy. But like, can't be judgmental of what we were like in those first few months. Obviously, we were just getting by what we we're getting by. And if you know the nicer hotel room or the nicer meal made us happy that day, then that was a win for that day. But it's just so weird that money was kind of like anchored within that. And I remember my sister and I would feel a little like, eh, like at some point, like we need to, you know, like tone it down a little bit. But at the other hand, it was like a weird way to have fun or like make like the shitty days
2: after feel a little bit better. I think I feel that way today (laughs) and when I have like a bad day (laughs) or go through a bad experience, (laughs) I'm like, I deserve this nice dinner or drink or whatever. Um, I think at the time, I think it all depends on family situations, right? Like if you can even afford to do that Um, and, and obviously you know that. And so I think it's just dependent on like that. And then I will say for us, I think it would, it just turned into like such a source of anxiety of like now like we're just watching everything, like every penny Almost that's the coming opposite. In. Yeah, like, like you guys got tighter. So scared yeah. of like what's gonna happen yeah, in the future yeah, yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So it's interesting that there can be like so many of those different experiences. Um but like I said, today, different story. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean I did just say I had a bad day and I ordered Olive Garden on DoorDash. So I mean <laughs> there's that for it. But um, I think it's a, it's an interesting, uh, I love that you had that experience though, Kelsey, that you were able to have that experience with your, your dad and your sister. Um, I think we did it in a little bit of a way whenever my um, grandpa had passed away, because like I said, my mom and I had flown up separately, but we're up there and we didn't live in town. And typically, even this last weekend, I was sleeping on an air mattress in my friend's bedroom in Orlando, but we're very much like, we're all together, we're coming to see each other, we stay with each other, um, but we... On that trip when we came back for the funeral and we went home for a bit and we came back to to help plan everything, we were like let's get a hotel room, let's kind of have our own space. And so we got a hotel room that had adjoining rooms for me and my sister and then my mom and her best friends, we could have our space and like, go in. But like, we're typically I mean, we're, you know, we're just the same way that I am with you guys. Like I'm like, Kathy, I'll come to LA and stay at your house with your mom and you like, it's just like, we're very much so like, we're together people. But I was really impressed because I don't see my mom very often make those choices to spend a little bit extra money or kind of do the thing. um, Just because I think that's how she was raised. And so I was really grateful that now looking back at it, I mean, it was fun. We had wine and we went to the pool and like when we needed a break, but it was nice that my mom had thought even in her stage of such heavy grief that like she was able to set not only a boundary, but then like, we can spend this money and go get a hotel. Like we don't have to live this way that we've always had. Like we don't have to stay in the farmhouse if it's going to be sad because that's where grandpa passed away. Um, so I think that was a really cool um, small way that we kind of did did similar to the Roth houses whenever we were dealing with that loss. That was a really interesting and good point, Kelson, like Kathy, I still do it to this day just for a bad day but
0: (laughs) try not to (laughs) yeah I know my sister and I both are like we don't have it as intensely as we felt like right away but we have whispers of it too where it's like and Kylie I think even talked about it a little bit on the episode she was on like well we know life's short so let's get that other pair of jeans and it's like that's not a healthy way to manage my money like I should not be thinking in that way but And there's, you know, I've read the Psychology of Money book that's really good and I recommend and it's so intertwined with like everything and how we were raised and all these events. But it goes to show like, sadly, every time you deal like someone deals with a death, there are financial implications with everybody's situation, whether it is the medical bills leading up whether it is a family's financial situation, just being completely crushed, whether it is like funeral expenses and burial expenses, like everyone listening, like if you've gone through a loss, like you know it and probably have your own unique experience with it. And if you haven't gone through a big loss yet, it's something to keep in mind because sure as hell was not anything anyone like really teaches you about or fully prepares you for, like what all of those things mean. We didn't even really talk about wills and things like that and that if you're older and are prepared like you leave a will but if it's young or if it's sudden you don't have that and that leaves and just like the way that money can really mess with like family dynamics and create drama we really don't need to get into that but like that's something
1: yeah literally (laughs) literally
0: like (laughs) it, 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 it like every movie and tv show like you have those tropes of like someone dies and someone's random relative is like trying to like take things from their house or like jumping to get money. Like there's just, you cannot like pretty much like death and money are married. Like they are intertwined. There are complications with it both. So it like, I feel like we've maybe very loosely dabbled on it throughout the episodes, but I think it was definitely warranted to have this episode and like could even dive deeper because there's so many different ways it impacts it. But shout out to Kath for, picking this topic for today, because I definitely think it's an important one.
1: Well, I have the perfect tie in with all of the things you just said, because I was going to echo the same thing you said, I think we could we scratch the surface. There's so much more we could get into, like you said, Kels with the like, I'm going to take this, I'm going to take this. Um, but also wrapping it back out to Kath and to end on a happier note, we did get so excited about the era's financial situation that we skipped your update. So I wanted to hopefully end on a little bit of a lighter note since this was kind of, it was a lot. I know you're like the queen of Miami lately, and I kind of wanted to end rounded out with you getting your chance to kind of catch us and everyone else up on what you've been up to.
0: Great call. Your Miami looks have been amazing, by the way. (laughs) Everyone follow Kathy on Instagram. If you don't, her Miami looks are fantastic, but you have been to Miami like five times in like three months, it feels like.
1: She's going to be in Revolve Around the World next year.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I wish. Um... Okay, honestly, when you just said that, I was like, what have I even been doing for the last month? I thought I literally forgot. But thank you for the reminder that I was in Miami for seven days. I also had um, airline struggles, which I feel like we all kind of like have been going through our travel struggles, um, which was kind of annoying to start the trip off. But Made it there, made it back in one piece. The weather was beautiful. I was there for a bachelorette for my high school friend, which is so sweet to be able to experience. And then we kind of extended the trip to um, just the high school girls and have our high school girls trip, which I've said on here is kind of like my favorite moments and like time of year. So that was really nice that we just had quality time with each other um, and just kind of like kicking and asking each other who we would have dated in high school and stuff like that, just like getting silly with each other. So it was really nice quality time. Um, I will say my one highlight was seeing Tom Brady at the second resort and hotel that I stayed at. Um, Not that I'm a huge Tom Brady fan. I will just point that out. But since then he's one of the greatest of all time and that's just kind of like a fact and not really an opinion, it was pretty jaw-dropping. And just add that into my celeb spottings for the last year, that was probably a top one, even as someone that I don't really like. <laughs>
1: speaking of celeb sightings I also just need to put a note not go into it just a pin in it that next time we catch up we still have to at least mention the Vanderpump Rules saga cat as our catch up because definitely also been really really (laughs) high on that so I need to make sure we circle back to that but Kelsey if you want to take us away
0: yeah no Tom Brady I'm with you there not a fan but like would still be iconic to just see him and of course you saw him in Miami yeah. So interesting. So, but like, that's a fun one. And I'm glad you had fun with all your high school friends. That's just like true, genuine fun. People who have known you for so many years, there's something very special about that time. So good callback, Mads. Don't want to leave Kath, like, hang in there. Didn't want to let her off the hook. Um, but thank you, everyone, for listening to this somewhat chaotic, but that's representative of how money can be, um, episode. Yes, and good job calling it our spring break. That's literally what it ended up being. We will definitely be back on a more normal schedule from here on out. But definitely follow, subscribe, write a review, send it to a friend, send us an email, any of the above. We appreciate you. Thank you for listening.
2: Bye.